For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and you can watch us now twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. Apologies today, we're a little late, but I think you can probably understand the reasons why given there was a game on tuesday we'll talk all about that today um head over to our youtube channel hit the like button subscribe comment join the community etc etc and the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio um before i ask how are you rob uh, i'm just putting it out there that i'm ill uh and a good thing about last night was in comparison to the game at, at old trafford earlier in the season is i watched it at home uh so I watched this one at home and Liverpool absolutely battered United uh, to make me feel just that little bit worse. But how are you doing today? I probably I'm doing the same as you in a way and the same as all Manchester United fans. You know, watching your team lose hurts. But I'm also a little bit emotionally disconnected from the problem because I've got to the point quite early on in the season where I thought, hmm, whatever successes you have game to game to game, are good and you can be happy about that. You know, the odd Ronaldo hat-trick here and there, a good victory on the road there. But the truth is that this Manchester United team, this Manchester United squad is broken. So because it's broken and you have got a new coach coming in, I don't think there's a lot of too much introspection to be done on the current product that Manchester United produced. But we will talk about it all today. Obviously, a horrible night at Anfield, as expected. But I think also, Scott, brighter days to come. That will definitely be uh, the narrative whenever it's announced, because I, I would expect that the Eric Ten Hag announcement comes pretty soon after that drubbing. Uh, my notes today are about as organised as Man United's defence. I don't really have that <laughs> much to... Uh, I, I don't really have an agenda for you guys today, um, if you're listening. Uh, so we'll just talk about a little bit about the game at Anfield, pick out a few of the players, probably maybe talk about Ralph Ranick and what he said after the game, because mm-hmm. see, he's getting some criticism as well. But I think the people who are criticising Ralph don't really understand the, the deeper problems that are there. And if anything, maybe I'd like to talk about that today and how Ralph is actually... I think he wants to go a lot harder with what he's saying, but he's just not doing it. I'm hoping that mm-hmm. he kind of, uh, in the next few weeks, just loses it and thinks, nah, I got nothing to lose here. Let's let's give it a go. But he's he's talked after the game last night and before it. Harry Maguire's done a lot of talking before the game. We'll talk about him. Oh, we'll talk about Hannibal as well, because I think he was the only, <laughs> the only bright spark to come out of that performance last night because he kicked some people. Uh, and now <laughs> yeah. we don't we don't condone <laughs> violence or don't condone... <laughs> any of that, but it was nice to see a bit of passion. But uh, Rob, <coughs> sorry, I was about to cough there, but should have muted. Where should we start? That was embarrassing, wasn't it? It was embarrassing, but like I said, not unexpected. And I do think it's pretty much um, an, an easy kind of summary of knowing where Man United are. And it reminded me of the game at Old Trafford. It really did. That I sat there on the sideline and watched it. 
And it was the same kind of thing because you've got one team on the rise, one team playing well, one team that trusts each other, one team that likes each other, one team that's been under a manager for several years and have built and done all the tactics. And then on the other side, you got our team with an interim boss with a load of tactics changing every week because he has to change them. He's got no choice because this lot is so bad. And a bunch of players who are all out of contract, leaving the football club and just do not want to be here anymore. You know, so the toxicity of Manchester United and the way that, that this squad has been constructed over, you know, the last two or three years, why is anyone surprised? So the, the losing 4-0... It's probably about right. They are probably four goals better than you on a on a normal day. And just some of the mistakes from, from individuals in the team and senior players in the team, it's just unforgivable. Like you said there, Hannibal. Hannibal comes in for 10 minutes, kicks a few people, gets booked. But you could see that he was playing for the badge. And do you know what? That is the minimum requirement. Wherever we go under Eric Ten Hag moving forward, the minimum requirement is you put that shirt on and you put a shift on. That is it. If you can't play well or you lose, okay. But you've got to put the effort in. Where should we start? Should we, should we talk about... I know we mentioned Hannibal there. Some of these players have must be doing some criticism. I kind of want to go to Harry Maguire first because I think... I don't know how he can retain the armband going into next season. I don't know what you think about this. I don't, don't know whether you think it matters or whatever. But the way that he conducted... or The, the interview that he put out with Sky Sports before the game where mm. he kind of just said, yeah, I've been picked by two managers. You know, I cost a lot of money. So I think I'm justified in my, my position in the team. I didn't, that didn't really sit too well with me. And then I saw the way he played. He's not a leader. He, he doesn't lead. And coming back to Hannibal there, I think the fourth goal was the real one that really rubbed it in. The fact that, Maguire was on the ball under relatively no pressure, had a few options for different passes, floated it out, played it five yards behind Hannibal, who had to adjust his run, come back and control it, and they had a man on him straight mm -hmm. away, pressed him, United lost the ball, and Liverpool scored a fourth. And Maguire stepped out of position to try and, I don't know what he was doing, whether he was trying to intercept, uh, try and judge a pass and try to intercept it by stepping forward, but he did that for the first goal as well, which was really, it's really weird, but this it sums it up really doesn't it harry Maguire's captain it does and and i think that you know we talk about the interview it's just explained to our audience how some of that works just behind the scenes is that manchester united will have agreements in place with the premier league and obviously with tv companies primarily sky bt sports in the uk about letting players do interviews before the game so when i heard that it was going to be harry Maguire, i thought well this will be interesting but at the same time, probably more fuel to pour on the fire. So I heard what he had to say. And the thing I didn't like was how he said, no, we're not really going there to stop Liverpool winning the title. I'm not worried about that. We're going there to for ourselves. Now, he might think that that's the correct narrative to put out there. But when your football club is so bad and played so badly, you need to be going there and saying, no, we're going there to stop Liverpool winning the quadruple because I'm a Man United player and I cannot allow that to happen. That's not what he said, is it, as a captain, Scott? So that, to me, was the most worrying thing because I think that that is the seed in a lot of Manchester United minds of these players, the senior players. And he went out there and played like that, didn't he? He went out there, he did one or two nice things, did four or five really horrible things. And as you said, with the final goal, and he was at fault for the first as well, where he stepped out, ridiculously so, 
that final ball where he clips it to Hannibal on the wing, when all he needs to do is pass it into the midfield, which is a five, 10 yard progressive pass. Why would you make that choice? The only way you'd make that choice, Scott, is if you were switched off. That's the truth. So you saying there about the captaincy, it should, the question should be, should he play? I think that has to be the question. And I think the way we stand today is that there's no way that Eric Ten Hag, when he turns up, is going to say to Harry Maguire, yeah, I've seen something in you in the last 12 months on my telly from, from the Netherlands Well, I think I can work with. I don't think he says that. I think he looks at it and goes, well, you're part of the problem. So Ralph, you know, we'll talk about this a bit more, said we need multiple signings uh, forthcoming now in the next transfer windows. Also said that it can take three windows. It doesn't need to take longer than that. You can do it in two or three windows. And I do think that Harry Maguire's place is massively at threat, not just at Manchester United as a starter, but also in the squad. Was he the worst player? Is there any... You've been quite critical of Bruno Fernandes throughout the season. I didn't like Bruno's interview afterwards either. Um, He did say at one point, we've got nothing to fight for. But then he said later on, uh, we've got to fight for the badge. But he's not... He's not the first player to say we've got nothing to fight for. Paul Pogba said that a few weeks ago. Obviously, there is nothing to fight for because ultimately what is fourth place is just a, you know, it's just a means to an end for money for the club in the end. Uh, United aren't going to do anything in the Champions League next season anyway, so so be it. But who else really stood out for you, Rob? Bruno's a lead. He should be a leader, shouldn't he? He should be setting an example. He's not really doing that either. I think so many of them, Scott, are charlatans. And that's how I felt before the game. And have felt for a long time. And that's how I felt after the game. You know, like you see what what you see and you know what you're looking at. Um, talking about Bruno Fernandes and just in general, and I, we talked about this off camera. Uh, I saw in the first half, Marcus Rashford. Now, Marcus, again, a kind of very abject performance. I think he was better in the second half than he was in the first. But in the first half, you could see a lot of, a lot of gesturing between the United players. You know, kind of a lot of eye contact and a lot of you know, hands waving and all of this kind of what I call pretend football. You know, people are pretending to do stuff. Look, look at me, follow me. And Marcus was saying to Bruno, come with me on the press. That's what he was saying. But he wasn't particularly pressing himself. But Bruno wouldn't. Bruno just did whatever he wanted. Bruno was just running here, there, everywhere, in and out of position, massively undisciplined. In the second half, Marcus just took it on himself to go and do the press on his own. So United went into a kind of 4-5-1 shape, but a bit more kind of rigid. They got the shape right and they played decent football for 15 minutes, didn't they, Scott? They had a good 10 to 15 minute spell where they looked like a football team. Jaden Sancho came on, they got the ball, they dribbled through the midfield. You were like, oh my God, there's a little bit of football happening there. That to me is good. I can take that going forward. But you're saying there about Bruno and the players, they're all responsible. Every one of them. There is no, uh, that's the worst player in this team. This is just the worst team. All of them. It starts at the back with Maguire. Lindelof ain't that good, is he? The fullbacks are awful. You look at the midfield, there's no fight in there. Without Fred and McTominay, you have no bite. You have no one really to work at all. Paul Popper goes off with an injury after six minutes and then gets killed and slaughtered on social media because he's pretending to be injured or something like that. So the toxicity is there in it, Scott. It's just what it is. Jaden Sancho came on. I was quite happy with him. He did all right. Hannibal, as we said, came on and showed that I think that he will come on into this team eventually and be a fighter and a winner and can do lots of different things. So I'm holding on to small positives. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like they really are minuscule. But I do think that you get a new coaching now, you get rid of a load of these players and you've got to buy and buy sensibly, buy correctly, go and get players that want to play for your football club. 
We'll talk about Hannibal uh, probably in this section because, as you alluded to earlier, uh, and as we've already said, Ralph's post-match was... Mm. I, d- I do like Ralph for what he, you know, ultimately probably could have got more out of the players, but the players are beyond repair at the moment. I think that's just... I don't obvious. blame him one iota. Not don't blame all, him, but I am seeing some all. criticism for him uh, for not getting the most out of what is a, a more talented squad than he is displaying. Uh, but at the same time, <clears throat> I think Ralph was brought in and re- he said he recognised after three or four weeks that a rebuild was needed. He's talking yeah. about rebuilds really frequently now. He's saying players need to leave, players are out of contract, etc., yeah. etc. And he said there could be six, seven, eight, maybe ten new players next season. Uh, we'll throw this back to you, Rob, though. I think that's probably a mix of new signings and players mm-hmm. like Hannibal and players like... You know, other other academy prospects like Ganacho, maybe, uh, and maybe some other players, James Garner, who's coming back from a loan. Maybe he'll get some minutes next season for United, plus some new signings. But first question here. United have been awful at selling players. I know they've got four or five players out of contract, and under Manu Matic has confirmed that he's leaving as well. So that's Matic, Mata, Pogba, Lingard, Cavani. I don't know whether I'm missing anyone there, but they they will all pretty much pretty much nailed on to leave. Mm-hmm. There should be other players to leave as well, but United have been really bad at selling players. You could think, think of Phil Jones, Eric, Eric Bailly was overlooked last night. United played a back three and Phil Jones has played four times in three years. Started ahead of him. What must he be thinking? Um, although I don't really have much sympathy either because he's not really done the job when he's had his chances. United have been so bad at selling players. Can they actually do this? How, how far can they get in one summer? They're going to have to take a big hit. Because the most essential thing here in any rebuild is that you sort your wage bill out first. So football fans, I think, look at it in terms of transfer fees. Like they go, oh, there's a player there. You're going to sell him. Oh, you got more than he's worth or all of that. Football clubs don't really think, look at it like that. You're looking at it in terms of your your wage bill. So Manchester United have a massively inflated wage bill for this set of players. So you've got to just say to a few of them, go. We either pay you off or you go somewhere else where you'll get paid. But it's highly unlikely that if you've been misperforming for a year, two, three, four, that someone's going to pay you, isn't it? The kind of the wages that Manchester United do. So I think it's music to my ears that Rannick is saying these things, because this is what I wanted Ralph Rannick to come to the football club for, to explain these things, not just to fans, but to the board, to say that you have messed this up and you need to start again. So I don't believe, like I think what you said there is completely correct. You know, I don't believe that when you're talking about full rebuild that you can lose 10 and buy 10. You cannot do that. It's impossible in in any guise of a football club at the very top end. However, you can bring in your youth. You said they're gone out. was on the bench last night. I think that's interesting that he's been included in the squads. Hannibal got 10 minutes. So, you know, we're all happy about, about Hannibal getting 10 minutes of football. I'd have liked to see him get more. I hopefully will see more of him now in the last games of the season. But then you've got to go and buy sensibly. And you've got to just take it on the chin that some of these players are going to leave, but you retain their wages. It's a little bit like what I call the Alexis Sanchez conundrum. Is that you don't really want him to go. You'd rather he stayed and did the job. But if he's not going to stay and do the job, get that big wage off your bill quick. And that's what Ole did very well. I think Ole went through that process quickly. I believe Eric Ten Hag will do the same. I think Eric will Eric he'll come to the club and he will look at the people and he will not suffer fools. Because he'll say, This is my reputation on the line here now. I want to be here two, three, four, five, six years. I want to do the best I can do. 
and I have control of the football project. And that was what was vital about this appointment is that the guy coming in has control. And that's not what we've had, is it, Scott? You know, all the way back to, to Van Gaal, to Mourinho, to, to Ole, they all had parts of control, but they never really had full control. Now Man United have to put their money where their mouth is because you're bringing this coach in to rebuild. If you do not support him, that is on you, isn't it? If you don't give him the power and you want to make decisions at board level, that is on you. You cannot blame the manager. So I think Man United fans need to take that as their kind of, as their viewpoint now is go, right, okay, let's support this manager, but let's get rid of the, you know, these players that are not helping us and let's go and buy some that can. It's kind of similar to what we spoke about on past episodes with, I know Arsenal are in a great position at the moment. They've lost mm. a few games, uh, not on a great run of form, but they're kind of midway through a regeneration process where they had to make some difficult calls. Mm. As Ozil, Socrates, there's, there's other players as well that they've really taken a hit on or had to pay off. And United are in a similar position. Um, you know, I think everything Ralph is saying, I, I really, I said this earlier, I kind of really wish that he would actually say more than he does. Because, mm. like, he's definitely biting his tongue a little bit. Um, hoping in the next few weeks he'll maybe uh, throw out some more truth, truth bombs uh, and we can take a little bit of satisfaction that way. What would you say, though, to those who are criticising Ranić? Is it just a misunderstanding of what the problem is? I... I, I... I don't know, Scott. Like, I, I, again, we have these conversations again off camera about why football fans think certain things or why they say certain things. You know, anyone who believes that any of this is Ralph Rangnick's fault, I, I, do, do you know your football club? Do you really know your football club that you follow day in, day out? You know, the issues start at the top. It starts with the Glazers. Again, we heard Graham Souness, not to kind of call him out here, say that the, 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 the Glazers are not the problem. Yesterday on television, they are absolutely the problem. And it stops and starts there. That's where it is. This isn't Ralph Ranić's fault. Ralph Ranić, I'd have been more than happy to take this on as being a full-time manager, Scott. Because what he's saying now is how we've all thought. And he would have acted on it if he had the power. He does not have the power. So how is it his fault? So we talk tactics, systems. My job is to do that. You know, I talk about tactical systems to him blue in the face. I know why he changed that last night. I look at that. It didn't work. Why did it not work? Because his players are bad. That's why it didn't work. And Liverpool, on the flip side, are really, really good. You know, a world-class team, if not the best team in recent times. You know, them and City are so far above Manchester United. So, no, look, Ralph leaves this football club eventually, I think, with his head held high. I don't think he could have done a lot more with this squad. Uh, he's tried to give them tactics. And I said again, weeks ago, now we've seen what this Man United squad can do with a tactical manager. And the answer is not very much. So you're getting a tactical manager in, in Ten Hag. Does that mean this squad can be flipped and do well? No. I think you need to reinvent the squad. Or you need to bring in fresh blood. Speaking of, let's talk about Hannibal. Uh, because, as I mentioned, the bright spark of the night. Just because he simply tried and looked like he gave a damn. And got a yellow uh, card. And got a yellow <laughs> card. Um it could have been worse for him, actually. If uh, you know, I think he, he made a couple of challenges that were probably yellow card worthy. But he came on, he ran around, he closed people down, he made a few tackles. He looked like he cared. Um, was that a message from Ralph to the other players? I don't know if it was a message, but I think it's just that Ralph has run out of options, so he's picking the kid that will run around because. It kind of reminded me, actually, of when uh, 
Ryan Giggs had the little spell as interim manager after of the Moyes, and he changed it round. And he played some kids, and they played really well, and they won one of the last games. Then they were terrible the next game and lost. And Van Gaal came to the football club, and Van Gaal didn't trust any of the youngsters except Marcus Rashford, really. So you know that it kind of reminded me of that of throwing someone in there. But I think for me, and someone who's an advocate of Hannibal Medjbury and has been for a while. This is the route you have to go down now. Take your pill, swallow it, accept that things are not good and let players go and play. And I think for 10 minutes, Medjury was just told to go out there and play. And that's what he did. And you could see he did not like the idea of being at Anfield in that hostile environment and being embarrassed as a Man United player. And he's a child. He's a kid. But he understands. And that has to be the starting point, doesn't it, Scott? So this is the thing. is that uh, you know, Garnacho was on the bench watching that. And I hope these boys are watching going, I'm not going to do this when I get my chance. I'm not going to copy these lot on the pitch because they're just absolute muppets. And I believe that's the thought process. I think they're looking at these senior players and going, no, thank you. Because I think young talent, has that confidence. Young talent goes, well, do you know what? I might not be the best in the world, but I'm going to try. Whereas older talent sometimes goes the opposite way, doesn't it? And just says, well, I'm earning a good wage. You know, go up to the fans, clap the away ends, cheers, bye, just got to go and get in my Ferrari now and go home. That's a problem. So I'm, I was really happy with that 10 minutes. And it was also the first yellow card of the game for Man United after 82 minutes, 83 minutes. That tells you something, doesn't it? If you're losing a game like that against Liverpool, yeah, go and kick the opponent. You know, we certainly don't advocate violence. But on a football pitch, if you want it, you, you put your body on the line, don't you? You know, it means that you go to war. This Man United team has no idea about what going to war means. And I like it that Ralph has kept saying that we lack aggression. We're soft. We don't do the things. Physicality, physicality, physicality every week. And he's totally right. And he was right the day he arrived. You know, when after the press conference, we talked about pressing and what players can do and can't do. And he's right now. And I think the good thing is, is that he said yesterday and the day before, I have had these conversations with the board. So for the first time, he's confirmed it. He said, this is what I'm telling Man United, that your recruitment is duff. You need to sort this out. So this is it. Now we're going to another new cycle, another new manager. And you just have to hope that, Scott, that as Man United roll the dice at the table, that eventually they're going to roll a double six because that's what happens in football is that eventually you do get a coach and a set of players and it all just comes together and it works, but it takes a little bit of time to construct those things. And that's what City and Liverpool have done. They took two bad teams and made them great teams, but it takes the time to actually plan it and execute it. I did quite like what, you know, Ralph's kind of backed up his point of view really in hmm. it was pre-match that he did, uh, that he pointed this out really. He said, yeah, Liverpool have six players in their squad that I've signed before. And look where they are. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's proof in the pudding, really. He's got Sadio Mane, who scored, like, he was he was great last night. And Liverpool yeah. were, we should probably say Liverpool were great. They are one of the best teams in Europe. I think they honestly got a good shot of winning the quadruple. I, it terrifies me. But oh, this United lot yeah. just... Imagine that. That's, it's going to be the actual, like, crowning, the crowning jewel, isn't it? It's going to be the icing on the cake. All this, like United's worst season in generations for me, it's the worst worst I've ever seen United play in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and then capped everything off with Liverpool going 20 league titles and 
outdoing them and their best ever team with a quadruple as well. If they win a quadruple, I'm going on a very, very long football holiday. So um... I'm actually going away on June 1st. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, every season I actually do that. It's a worked, worked in football for over a decade now. And I try and in the summer, even though we are still doing transfer work and football never sleeps, it continues, it continues. I try and get away from the glare a little bit because it's so hot when you're in it. So I think when you look at this Man United team, you look at the stuff that needs doing, you have to be like that. And we look at what Ralph is saying there. I, I just think that that he has got that mind. He understands and making that correlation between what Liverpool have done and what he does as a manager in the Red Bull system and has done before. It's it's not a kind of coincidence that this Liverpool team is built in that principle. Do you get what I'm saying? Red, you know, Jurgen Klopp is building it the right way. That's why it works. You know, Ralph Ranick has built squads the right way. That's why he's been lauded as this figure from from people like Klopp, from Tuchel, from Nagelsmann. You know, all these great coaches who are like the next best thing now are all saying that's the guy I copy. That's what I do. I look at the I look at football like that guy does. He's the godfather. So him coming to Man United, you see, should have been a better set of circumstances to rebuild the football club. But what did Man United do? They just cut Ralph Rangnick's legs off. And I think that at the end of this season, we're never going to really hear him say the truth, Scott. Why? Because he will sign an NDA when he leaves the football club, you know, a non-disclaimer, because it's what Man United do and all football clubs do. And he will not be allowed to publicly talk about Manchester United. He's still under contract, remember, for two years. You know, he's still going to be part of the advisory team. But he's already telling us the truth, isn't he? And you know what? The players are telling us the truth. Watching them on the football pitch, you don't really need people to tell you why it's gone bad, do you? It's bad because it is bad. And I think this whole thing that with uh, with Eric Ten Hag, with him demanding that he will not sign a contract until he gets everything that he wants from Man United, I think that's a good thing. Because yeah. I don't want another manager who's just going to come in, put his neck on the block, but actually not be able to do it because he's not got any power with the backroom. In reality, do you think that changes? I know he'll sign a contract, but are they going to... You know, we've ne- we've not seen anything in 10 years to suggest that, you know, even like a personality like Jose Mourinho never really got what he wanted. Do you think Ten Hag set up to fail or is he taking them at literally the lowest point that anything can be better than this? I, I think all of the appointments from Fergie leaving the football club to now have all been fundamentally flawed. And yet I will sit here as a journalist and say that I supported all of those appointments. So I'm not going to be a hypocrite. You know, I supported them because of what, those guys had on their CV and also the upside of them coming to the football club. And I include Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in that as well. However, I think you're getting probably the best coach in Europe at the moment at what he does in terms of a coach that maybe builds, but at a club that does that in Ajax. So Man United have to be really open to change. And that's the bit that I question because I think to myself, can this board truly change? Now, if you take the Glazer model from from Tampa Bay and the NFL, they've proved they can change. They have done that. They've changed things in their system in the NFL to win again. And they won the Super Bowl two years ago, and they got very close last year again. They did it through Tom Brady. But they also did it through correct recruitment and correct scouting through the American system. Obviously, very different to football, isn't it? It's completely different how you use the college system. But they did that and they got that right. So I look at that and go, technically, mm, can you do that to Man United? Maybe. But I think what's more important is that Ten Hag comes in, 
Give him the chance to do it. And that's what United fans have to do now. You have to believe in your manager and you have to believe that he will get it right and want to get it right. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer left this football club in tears, Scott. Yeah, the day he left, he did an interview. He didn't have to, but he did it crying because he wanted to get it right. He just didn't get it right. But I think these players have got to take that responsibility now. And we have to allow this manager to get rid of some of these players. Yeah, absolutely. I think you remember uh, Bruno Fernandes and the players at Watford. Yeah. So why did Bruno sign a new deal, Scott? Why, why did Bruno sign a new deal? This is why I questioned it. Because it's a bad time for him and the football club. So the football club does not need to announce Bruno Fernandes' contract. They do not. They can agree it. They don't have to announce it. Why is Bruno signing that deal when Man United are bad? Because if I'm Bruno and I want to win, I'm going, not signing yeah. this contract till I see what's happening here. But Bruno signed that contract. Now, that doesn't make me feel good about Bruno Fernandes. So I, I wouldn't sign that deal <coughs> if I was wanting to win stuff. You know, if I, I would leave the football club. I would not be staying. However, I still think that Bruno is the guy for them. You know, I think the Glazers have told him that and they want him at the club. That's why that is. But there's so many dysfunctional things happening, isn't there, Scott? Because that's not how business works. And that's how Man United works. And that's a problem. They shouldn't be giving out new contracts until Eric Ten Hag gets his feet under the desk and starts really? making decisions. I think Ralph will be really important. I really hope he has a big say. Uh, obviously we don't know how big a say he will have. He'll be in a consultancy role if he, mm -hmm. if that, if it goes to plan, I'm really hoping that communication between the two can pass over and then everything can be kind of recognized from within. I hope everything changes, but you just, as a fan, you cannot say with any confidence or certainty that you know, everything will change, but Eric Ten Hag will probably be announced at some point this week. Um, I would imagine it'd be in, in the form of United have an agreement for Eric Ten Hag to take over due yeah. to, you know, pending formalities, work permits, that, that kind of thing. Um, and he will take over pretty soon after the end of the season. Uh, Rob, I did want to come back to this uh, with a couple of questions. Looking a little bit shorter term about the rest of the season. So mm -hmm. Paul Scholes has put on Instagram this morning, uh, a picture of Eric Ten Hag and, say, and said, just come eighth, lads. Just come eighth. Just get out of Europe. I don't know if you've seen this, actually. But no, he, I haven't yet. <laughs> he, he, uh, he, I'll, try and, uh, I'll try and drag it up now. But he said, let me, let me just dig it up. Finish eighth and give this man the time he needs. Saddened by what's happening at unrecognizable football club with a picture of Eric Ten Hag and the United Crest. So there isn't really much hope for the rest of the season. How many games do United have left? Five, I think. Mm -hmm. You've got Arsenal, Chelsea, Brentford, Brighton, Crystal Palace. Um, what can they hope for? What do you think will happen for the rest of the season? I just think you can hope for not being completely embarrassed for every game for the for the running. You know, this is how I feel about it. Um, and, and I think, as I said, I emotionally switched off from a lot of this a while back because I think there's a big technical issue there. And until you fix the technical issue, then there's no there's no real hope for it. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I think what Skulls is saying there is right. And uh, I've I've admit that and said I, I would rather come eighth than fifth or sixth or seventh. But the, tr the truth is the Glazers, they would rather have fifth or sixth or seventh because they want the additional football matches to be able to print more tickets, to make more fans go to Old Trafford and to sell seats, put bums on them and make money. That's what their business is. So coming eighth would actually be the biggest punishment possible to these owners because you just, you're just reducing the number of games, aren't you? The owners don't care about that. They just want to sell £30 a ticket to everyone and sell Old Trafford out. Now, I will say this about Europa League, and this does not make me a bad fan. 
I don't go to Europa League games. I have to pay for the tickets sometimes because United make me. But if I don't have to, I don't go because that's not what I do it for. So I don't go just like blindly to every match, but I try to because I love my football club. But that's what the Glazers want. The Glazers want people to just go. So eighth would be a great punishment for these owners to say, right, dip your hand in your pocket, but do it the right way. Give it to someone now who can, like as I said, Ten Hag, one game a week would be ideal for him, wouldn't it? Because it means that he spends more time on the training pitch. So I would not celebrate. And it would eight. also mean he can have a smaller squad to work with too. And I think a small squad is exactly how it has to start off with. Because I think Tuchel said it when he went to Chelsea. He talked about smaller squads. I, Klopp has talked about it like absolutely crazy amounts, about 14 players. I have to work with 14 players. That's what I do. You can't teach 25 players. You have to teach 14 uh, Guardiola has also talked about small core numbers and working with small small groups. And that's what Ten Hag will do. Ten Hag will come in and say, right, I'll take the strikers and we need to go and do that work. I have to show you what I want to do in the press. If we play a counter press. This is what you do with the triggers. This is how you set traps. Now, Ralph's tried all that with this lot, but none, none of them are interested. So you have to go and get players that are interested. So this is where you are now with the football club. And the Glazers have to accept it. They have to take it on the chin. And they will invest, you know. They will put money into the transfer kitty to make this work because they have done that. The problem is, is they've spent it so, so badly over 10 years. Yes, indeed. I've just had a tweet come through uh, reminding me actually to mention, obviously, uh, awful news from Cristiano Ronaldo uh, earlier this week. And there was a lovely uh, kind of display from the entire Anfield crowd last night. Um showing solidarity and support for Ronaldo and his family. Uh, obviously, awful news. Uh, can't really go by without mentioning that. It's just it, incomprehensible, awful, isn't it? Ter- terrible news for Cristiano. And the only thing important to him and to all of us is that he's with his family and that he can take all the time he wants with that because that's the most important thing in the world. Football comes a long, long second after that. But I do also want to thank Liverpool Football Club because yeah. I think in, in the seventh minute, to see Anfield stand up and applaud a Manchester United icon in that moment does show that there's not a lot of difference between us and them. And I've said this before when we had Hillsborough. And I got criticised for this. People were like, oh, no, United fans shouldn't really be interested in that. And I've always said it could have been us at Hillsborough that day. It really could have been. United got knocked out of the cup the round before. It could have been us in that stadium that day. And it would have been us carrying that weight and I think football fans have to understand that there is a real world out there. And Cristiano Ronaldo has that real world. This is his, his reality now. And I'm, I'm proud of Liverpool fans to do that with the United fans, to, to applaud him like they did, because we are a family in football. And I think we have to sometimes remember that. It, you know, we can have rivalries and hostilities and call each other out and do all the things that we normally do in football. But ultimately, you know, football is a human game, a human sport, and we're all humans. Absolutely. Uh, all the love and support to Cristiano and his family. Uh, take as much time as he needs, etc. before returning. Uh, it was just absolutely awful news. Um, to move on, Rob, uh, the rest of the season, as I mentioned, there's five games left. Um, and we've talked about Hannibal earlier in the episode. I'm getting a lot of tweets from, from people saying, just play the kids. Um, I want to know your stance on this because I'm I'm kind of in the camp of, I think Ralph said a few weeks ago he he didn't really want to put the kids into an, an unstable squad, which it still is. Hannibal did come on and showed a bit of passion and a bit of fight. 
I'm kind of in the camp of there's five games left. Just let this let this mess play itself out and start mm. fresh. Mm-hmm. Do you are you in the in the camp of you know blending you know giving giving some of the kids a chance in these final few games or do you think just 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 give it to them or do you think like that maybe it's a bit of a risk to expose them to the kind of atmosphere on the pitch that the current squad have and display? No, I'm not interested in atmospheres and stuff like that. I think that some of that gets played up too much. You know, look, this is not soap opera. This is a football club. And these players, their jobs is to go on the football pitch and give it their all. So the fact that we do talk expansively about the club and we do talk about the drama and we do talk about all of the intricacies of why things work and the nuance of why things are bad, ultimately, go and pick players that will go and work hard. That's the first starting point. We saw for 10 minutes at Hannibal, if you put that shirt on him, he will go out there and work hard. So I I think that as a metaphor, like we just saying there about things that are bad, the ball from Maguire clipped out from centre-back to the wing is a metaphor for why Man United are bad. It really, it really is. However, I still want Hannibal getting that ball. I want Hannibal going, I don't want that ball and coming off the pitch and saying to his captain, what did you do that for? Why did you click me that ball? That actually creates the correct conversation, Scott. Do you know what I mean? So I think on one hand, I understand why Ralph is not picking kids wholesale because I think people would view that as some kind of football suicide, you know, just picking kids. But on the flip side, I totally understand why fans want to see it. I want to see it. I don't want to see this lot anymore, Scott. I don't want to watch some of their faces stand there go, oh, I'd say to Bruno, you've got your new contract. Go on holiday. Bye. I'm going to play Ganacho there now. I'm going to play another kid there instead. Hey, do you know what? You know, Marcus, you're not having a good time. Go on holiday. We'll just play one of the kids. We don't need you now. You know, so I think you need to kind of have that mentality. But I do understand why Ralph is not doing that. The more United lose, the more likely it is I think we'll see the kids. And I don't subscribe to all of this uh, that, oh, you've got to protect them from this from this toxicity. They're already in it, Scott. They're training every day. They smell it. They see it. They know what it is. Hey, and the I training hope... sessions are really good all the time. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I've said this before, like uh, with people that I've worked for over many, many years, that I've learned from bad managers more than good ones because the good ones keep you happy and keep your performance high. But the bad ones make you go away and question about why you do stuff and how you should do it when you're in their position. And that's how I was, you know, when I got elevated and ran businesses and stuff like that, I'd look at it and go, I don't want to do it like that guy did it because he was awful. And that made me better. So I think that these players are looking at this, the young ones and going, nah, I'm not doing it like that. I'm going to run. I'm going to at least show the, show the fans and show the next manager that I'm interested. That's got to be the bare minimum, isn't it, Scott? So get them in now. Yeah, get some of these kids in now. Give them minutes. Give us something to look forward to. <laughs> Hannibal, 10 minutes, gets your yellow card, and we're all, like, buzzing. It's ridiculous, but it's actually where we are. You know, that's kind of where we are, and it's good to see these kids show that they can. I was glad that, that Hannibal showed that he wants it, and it was such a small, small sample size, but that's really important for the next manager. Yes, indeed, uh, Rob and listener or watcher, I apologise for how I'm sounding and looking today. Uh, I've, I know I've coughed on Mike a few times. Stop apologising, uh, Scott. United, you could not United made it worse. <laughs> They've made it worse. Um, but yeah, Rob, uh, I'll wrap up in a second. Any final thoughts? We'll be back uh, ahead of the Arsenal game at the weekend uh, before we before we wrap up. Any final thoughts? No, we, we understand Manchester United uh, will put that announcement out very, very soon. That's planned. Uh, Eric Ten Hag has 
all but signed his contract. The final details are being arranged now with Ajax in terms of compensation. Around €2 million is not going to be a problem for Manchester United. They will, they will pay that, you know, 10 times over to get this over with because I think they want the season done themselves. Um, and then we just got to look forward. You know, our podcasts from now through the summer or whatever we do are going to have to be forward thinking. We're going to have to think like a football club should think. You know, we're going to have to think like fans. We're going to have to be bigger than the football club. We're going to have to say, do you know what? We're going to take the pain because that's where we are. And once we get there, I think we're very ten hard. I just hope for him that United fans don't play this social media cycle game of hammering him when every goal goes in. And when we score, saying he's the Messiah, because it's neither, is it? It's neither. It's a football game. So let's hope that the next manager can come in and really kind of put his stamp on this Manchester United squad. And I believe he can. I think he's that kind of character that he will not suffer fools gladly. I know I've said that twice now. And be the centre of everything rather than, I think it was Gary Neville who criticised the Glazers last night for, you know, saying... You know, they all this Pogba commercial announcement stuff, and then the the Sanchez piano and all this kind of stuff. It elevates the players in a sense above the manager and undermines them. Yeah, and it's really important that we get back to a model where players are not more important than the club, and players are not more important than the team. And you know, I I think that football fans need to kind of get away from the hero worship. You know, as I've said it before, the Viva Ronaldos, you know, and people who kind of who follow football clubs for players because they want to see the player, they want to wear the shirt name and understand that football is a technical game and you need to work at it behind the scenes. And that's what I think Eric Ten Hag will bring in because I don't think he's interested in Man United shirt sales. I don't think he's coming and thinking, oh, well, you know, this is, this is my opportunity to show that I'm a big commercial player. He's a football coach. He wants to win. He's going to come to win. And if he loses, Scott, and we say, oh, and it didn't work because he couldn't do the job. That's also okay. You go, well, we took, you know, you got the right guy. So I think that in terms of the marketplace, they've got the correct manager coming into the football club. And I think he's going to be so hungry to prove that he's up there with the very best coaches in the world. Absolutely. I don't know how far lower United can sink. This podcast is called The Promised Land. They are about as far away from that now as they've ever been. But let's join those dots because when Fergie came, it was the same issue. Is that how do you get Man United back to the promised land? How do you get Man United to where they should be, which is like winning trebles, doubles and being the best team around? And when Fergie was there, Fergie was nearly sacked and Man United fans wanted Fergie to go. They did. I, I again was a kid. I could hear fans singing it in the stands. And eventually you get there through hard work. I tweeted the other day, we need to get away from the champagne culture of Ron Atkinson. And that's why Fergie did it and it worked. And now we need to get away from the champagne culture of the Glazers. We need to get away from this whole thing about individual players are more important than the team. No, the team comes first every day of the week, eight days a week. It has to be like that. And I think when we get there, Scott, then we will see progress. But until we get there, just chill, people. Watch the games. It's not going to be good, I think, at the end of this season. It's not going to be pretty. You might get an odd goal here or there that we can celebrate. And hopefully we take some things like Hannibal and maybe Garnacho, maybe a few of the other young lads, and see some minutes from them and feel good about them. Absolutely. I feel numb to it. As every goal went in last night, I was just thinking, yep, I'm not surprised. And if anybody is surprised that United are this bad... What have you been doing? Uh, You haven't been watching close enough. Uh, You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods. 
uh, on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes of those. And you can watch us twice a week, too, on Tuesdays and Fridays. We'll be back on Friday to look ahead to the Arsenal game. And maybe Eric Ten Hag would have been announced by then, too. Could have even been announced by the time this uh, this podcast comes out, but we'll see. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment, and the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. Just another reminder, too, you can find us on Twitter, at underscore Scott Saunders for me, at underscore Rob underscore B for Rob, and at PromiselandMU for the show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hopefully it gets better from here. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.